This is a Rooster Teeth production. June 28, 1904. Hundreds of European immigrants are packed into a Danish steamship headed for the United States. The group of mostly women and children are headed to America to join their families in search of a better life. Most would never make it across the Atlantic. Their ship, the SS Norge, would be involved in one of the worst disasters of the era, made even worse by a lack of communication with the outside world, leaving survivors to fend for themselves. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. I'm Brian. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. Mm. I didn't write an intro. That's right. I forgot. Oh, you forgot to write your, maybe your could, flowery maybe could, intro? Maybe I could do one off the, off the dome. Freestyle. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Are you ready? Maybe something about the beautiful fjords. The fjords. The fjords. Well, I'm going to go more with where the ship ended up. Okay. If you could change your fate, <laughs> would you? Would you? Would you? Yeah, so... uh there's your <laughs> that's it that's what you get because Charlotte didn't do her job I peppered I peppered in the script already that's fine okay you're yeah. gonna get little bits of that flour throughout <laughs> like when you don't mix it correctly okay. in a cookie and you get a little nugget of of, of powder anyway I want to do our, our normal off the top thank you to everyone who has listened and downloaded and rated the show and reviewed it the numbers look pretty dang good they don't care about the numbers I'm just saying but keep listening we love you don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. We're not there yet. Nope. Exactly. Never give up. If you are in line, <laughs> stay in line. <laughs> if you are on the West Coast, please still go vote. Yes. <laughs> anyway, with that business out of the way, uh, and keep doing that, let's get into some disaster. All right. <laughs> The Norge was a steamer built in 1881 in Glasgow, Scotland, initially intended as a cattle boat. Oh. Yeah. She measured at more than 3,300 gross registered tonnage. <laughs> I know what that means. Uh -huh. uh, and had a 1,400 horsepower engine that gave her a speed of 10 knots or a little less than 12 miles per hour. The ship could carry a max of 800 passengers. Now, is that people passengers or, 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 cattle? or steer? I don't. Because no. that's very different. Yeah. I would say one cow counts as at least two or three. Sometimes upwards of, of four. Of people. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of uh, the sea's great mysteries. Anyway, in 1889, the ship was sold. <laughs> 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 um, in 1889, the ship was sold to a Danish company and renamed the Norge. The Norge had a bad record at sea. Great. Good start. She ran aground in Oslo in 1890, then collided with a dredger at the mouth of the New York Harbor later that same year. And then in 1898, she struck and sank a fishing boat on the Newfoundland banks, drowning 16 local fishermen. Okay. That's a hoodoo boat right there. That, hoodoo is, boat. that is a hoodoo boat if I've ever seen one. And just for context, if you're not looking at the photos, this is another one of those weird, we, we kind of covered another ship similar to this but like it still has sails like it's got big masts yeah. for sails oh, yeah. and then it also just has a big uh what is it smokestack like enormous steam engines yeah yeah so it, it's got like one big smokestack or whatever yeah right in the middle as well seemed like all these boats were like combo boats at the time like yeah they had steam engines but they're like just to be safe we're gonna put some sails on it too. yep honestly one of the like grittiest and coolest like eras, I think, in shipping because it just it looks 
Imagine a world where steampunk was cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like this fits the bill. This is what they're getting at. It's, 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 it's neat. That's all. Yeah. Anyway, eventually the Norge's parent company had financial difficulties and was acquired by another Danish shipping company, DFDS. 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 We're doing shaping. It feels like all European companies also go by acronyms. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're big into their acronym company. Names. They love it. Yeah. Well, East India Trading Company, they made sure you knew those words. Well, that's true. For some reason, yeah. I know them all these years later. <laughs> right. And I'm stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but I like tea and sugar sure. and spices. But at the turn of the century, the Norge's mission would change. Instead of hauling cattle and crashing into unsuspecting fishermen boats, mm-hmm. uh, the ship would instead carry immigrants from Europe bound for the U.S., The company made this change in the interest of cashing in in the big business of transatlantic emigrant transportation or or trade, if you want to look at it that way. But they didn't have the massive ocean liners other shipping companies boasted, so they compensated by just deciding the ships that they did have were passenger liners. Uh, That's classic American ingenuity. Well, this is Danish I know they're not American. Yeah, this is D-I-F-D-I-S. You know, yeah, it's just, hey, we already have this cattle ship. Mm -hmm. What is... Uh, man, if not standing cattle. <laughs> Especially in the 1800s, let's just herd them into the factories. Yeah. And they say, the, the, your, this is brilliant. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I bet they did. I should also mention a lot of people died. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. But we have, a, we have a, a rule here. If it happened over 100 years ago, it's fair game. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll be as respectful as we need to be, but it's but been a we minute. don't need to be if it's been over 100 years. It's a sliding scale of respect. And we're in the 1800s. Yeah, we're in the 1800s. Well, well close to it at least. Yeah. Um, Basically. Yeah, just slap a ocean liner sticker on your cattle boat. Anyway, this was a time when a lot of people dreamed of heading to the U.S., including Scandinavians seeking new farmland and Jewish families escaping persecution in Russia. Mm-hmm. The Norge's parent company ran a route to America known as the Scandinavia America Line. Oh, must have had their best on that one. Yep. Uh, by the time of its final voyage, its capacity was 1,110 passengers in all, including 50 first-class passengers, 150 second-class, and 900 third-classers. Maybe a cow or two for old time's sure, sake. Sure, yeah. This place had one stop in Crown Heights and the second in Minnesota or something. Is that where we were dropping everybody off here? Yeah, straight from the ocean into the lakes, into the Great Lakes. <laughs> the Norge left Copenhagen on June 22nd, 1904, bound for New York City. It picked up more passengers at two stops in Norway and then headed for America on a 14 day. <laughs> what? 14-day. <laughs> Boyd. <laughs> They've already picked up an accent. They haven't even gotten here yet. The Norse. Wow. Sven, <laughs> check out the, my accent. 14 days. I'm Woo-hoo. going to New York City Yee-haw. to join my husband. He's working at a canning mill. I'm Brooklyn bound. <laughs> I'm going to Texas and protest abortion clinics. Uh, <laughs> and once again, the wind taken out of our sails, which we still need, <laughs> our non-vestigial sails. <laughs> now nah, we're on steam power, baby. Full speed ahead. <laughs> e- 
the Norge <laughs> picked up more passengers at two stops in Norway and then headed for America on a 14-day transatlantic crossing. Not too bad. Two weeks. No. Clean nice. trip. No Wi-Fi. No. Disconnect. Just hang out. If you're extremely wealthy, you have a book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone else had one family Bible that got left in, in Norway. Yeah. That's fine. They couldn't read. It's not about Norwegians. Whoa. It's about the time. Whoa. Okay. Understand that? Yikes. Woo. The ship was carrying a crew of 68 and 727 passengers, most of whom were Russians and Norwegians, along with other immigrants from Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. I also read that there were Jewish families on board. Many of the passengers crammed on board were women and children. They were largely from poor backgrounds going to join their husbands and families in America. Well, hopefully none of those books were the jungle. I feel like there's like a 90% chance that my family was on this ship. Uh, if we got people coming from coming from Russia and Sweden. and All the colors of the white rainbow on that ship. Exactly. Oh, no, we've got a quote here from Ulysses I'm Brown. Russian, but. <laughs> Stanislav Brown. Um, the Norse's passenger manifest included 240 children under the age of 12, but she had room in her lifeboats for only 200. Ooh. So that's it's where... It's pre-Titanic. Yeah, it starts to get us. Also important to note, like many other ships of the time, the Norse had no wireless radio. This is no. 1904, so that's unfortunately common. After leaving Norway, the ship sailed through the Pentland Firth Strait north of Scotland and headed for the Atlantic. Smooth, open sailing. Eh, wrong. I predict oh. that nothing will go wrong. <laughs> I would like to thank the FDAs <laughs> for their stalwart uh, support of me getting to America. My quarters look like a cattle stall. <laughs> I want to say the first transatlantic radio signal was sent in 1901. So it was, yeah, not, not at all unusual for, for a ship to not have a radio at this time. Three years, you know, just get on it. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, the trip from this point was a rather short one. On the morning of June 28th, 1904, disaster struck. Around 7.30 a.m. in foggy weather, the Norse ran into a small rocky island called Hasselwood Rock. The rock was close to a small islet called Rockall in the North Atlantic Ocean, about 290 miles off the west coast of Scotland. I highly recommend you go look up this yeah. rock. Yes. Because... It is it really is just this massive obelisk just sticking straight out of the ocean. Well, and that's not what it hit though. So there's that island, right? The oh, big yeah. obelisk. And then next to it, or very nearby, is a rock Hasselwood that's Rock. That's Hasselwood which, Rock. Which like I tried to find pictures of it to post to our Twitters and stuff. Yeah. It's not even there isn't really a photo of it. So what I found was Rockall. You saw Rockall. If oh. you saw like the big thing yes. sticking out of the ocean, that's Rockall. Covered in bird That's not bird what it poop. hit. That's the big city. We're talking about the suburbs. Yes. <laughs> so it is a rock that is basically at sea level or whatever. Yes. Right? Okay. So there's nothing like poking up, you're saying. Nothing. Yeah. Like at low tide, you maybe could stand on it, but you would be like, the waves would still be going over it. So it's essentially invisible. Well, that makes sense because- so the ship collides with this rock yeah. and the ship's captain, Valdemar Johans Gundel, <laughs> was convinced that there were no rocks in his path and he assumed that he had hit a submerged wreck. Oh. That's where his mind went before rocks because, yeah, 300 miles off the coast of Scotland, you're like, well, there's nothing out here. Yeah. Surely. So this is where Captain 
Gundel, Yondel, Gundel, 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 made the fateful error that really sealed their fate that day. He threw the ship into reverse. Or I can only assume he said to the helmsman, he's like, why don't you throw it into reverse for me? You know, back it up. He probably got out and waited. (laughs) You're good. You're good. And they offered to clean the windshield. And it's like, no, no, I'm fine. Thank you. (laughs) So the rock had already breached the hull of the ship. Mm Mm-hmm. But the reversal caused it to split, just dragging it back against the, mm. co- the rock they collided with. And water poured into this huge open cargo deck that was now completely exposed. Oh, God. Yeah. And so there's a lot of passengers who are still in bed that are panicking as they're rushed to get into lifeboats. What's about to happen transpires so quickly. Yeah, this one's fast. Th- this one is... It, in the time we could record this podcast, go down five times over. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have the staff telling them it's okay. Go back to your cabin. Everyone immediately, it seems like knows they're screwed. Yes. That is kind of heartening though, to know that this one wasn't, I mean, a lot of people did perish in this. I don't want to downplay that, but it wasn't because you had like a captain being like, it's actually fine. Go tell everyone yeah. to just like, take it easy. All right. Just yeah. chill out. However, though, even without that kind of meddling and interfering, uh, it still didn't turn out for a great deal of people on this ship. Uh, One of the passengers later told the press, quote, I was lying in my bunk waiting for breakfast. We heard a slight bump followed directly afterwards by another bump. They added, I rushed on deck and saw that something serious had happened. I made a dash to return in order to collect my few belongings. Scores were rushing on deck and the hatchway was crowded with emigrants. Oh, yeah, boy. I was just thinking, can you imagine throughout the history of sea travel, how many like half submerged rocks there are like this throughout the world that we've just had to discover over time through, I'm guessing, just a series of tragedies. Just trial and error. Just by running into it. Yeah, yeah. And as we mentioned earlier, there were only enough lifeboats to handle about a quarter of the total number of people on board or... 75% 75% of that number for cows. Um, uh-huh. yeah. The first lifeboat lowered into the water was heavily laden. It was caught by a swell and smashed to pieces against the ship's hull. Strike one. Ooh, yep. Try God. The second lifeboat, however, lowered. The second lifeboat, however, was also destroyed. Uh, Good God. By waves. One survivor who made it into a lifeboat recalled, quote, we saw two other boats capsize owing to the heavy weather and because nobody could navigate them. Now imagine you're in lifeboat three now. Well, I I guess we got to do it. Fingers crossed. I hope this is the good one. I mean, yeah, you have to imagine like there's so little time. You don't even know who's in those boats. Like there might not be any crew members. I would think there's just a mad scramble, like just a, an insane, just people crawling on each other. Yeah. Billy Zane is in there too. Uh, I have a child. <laughs> the first time I read through this, um, due to uh, just glancing at this line and a misunderstanding of how lifeboats are loaded and lowered, I assumed that they lowered an empty lifeboat and it was smashed against the ship. And I was like, oops. Oh, yeah. But no, no this one was, was filled people. with people. Yeah. yeah. Over, yeah. Overly so, it seems. But yeah, you know, heavy inclement weather and people not knowing how to navigate these boats. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. That'll crash them. Many of the passengers left on board jumped into the ocean only to drown, unfortunately. The survivor recalled, quote, 
Dozens of people who jumped into the sea with life belts were drowned before our eyes. About 700 people must have been drowned. We'll get to the final figures later, but not completely far off. Yeah. And have you seen what's in these life belts? Yeah, I did some looking into this. It's like a brick I, of cork. Yes, I was like, surely this cannot be anything good. And it really is like, so a lot of the life belts used in this time were just these cork pads. Like picture like a swimmy vest for a child without even the arm floaties. But cork. But cork, yeah. It's just cork straight from the tree. <laughs> cork like that you put in your wine bottle? Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah, they uncorked a... Uh, record amounts of wine on board uh, so they could construct some <laughs> whatever. What? Uh, I don't know. It didn't It didn't work. It didn't <laughs> That's work. Okay. Accounts vary as to how many lifeboats actually made it away from the wreck safely. There were eight total lifeboats on board the Norge, which even if all had launched, were not enough to hold all the people on board. No. So best case scenario, a lot of people were still going to die. Yeah. Best case scenario, three quarters of the people on board die. Yeah, oh or so, something like that, right? Yeah, so this is pre-Titanic. The obsession with over-providing lifeboats had not happened yet. So, I mean, yes, there was also some tragedies that we have covered that were a result of the <laughs> abundance. It wasn't about the abundance of lifeboats. It was about putting too many lifeboats on ships that were not, you know, in a, you capable know, in of... In a hand- way, though. Yes, yes, sure. In many ways. Well, we hadn't even gotten to that bridge yet. So no, 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 no. The shipping industry had not experienced the the shock of the Titanic, and yes. so it hadn't not let alone overcorrected. They hadn't corrected at all. Yeah, and this was, I guess, just how you did it. It's like, well, some people won't make it. Press accounts in the immediate aftermath of the disaster indicated that only two boats managed to successfully get away. Others later said, though, that as many as six of the lifeboats were successfully launched. So were these really others confusing. like representatives of the company or something? <laughs> Maybe so. No, these were the other lifeboats. Who oh, okay, got, got it. Okay. There was just a bunch of accounts, and like people got separated. It's it's very confusing. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you're not paying too much attention. Probably not. I'd be taking notes. You know, it's so important to sure, to have yeah. a good log of things. Mm-hmm. Those who made it into the lifeboats were confronted by the many more who didn't. As one account from the New York Times put it, quote, the passengers frantically pulled away from the doomed ship, passing by poor wretches who were still afloat and who vainly begged to be taken on board, while from the ship came long, despairing cries. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's something that's going to stick with you for life. You're, you're not, you're never going to get over that if you survive. That's one of those Titanic things where the ship, the lifeboats were like pretty empty, but they were so afraid that they were going to get swamped because of all the people in the Mm -hmm. water climbing on board that they went like super far away. But it's like the same thing. Yeah. Like if you are lucky enough to be in a lifeboat, you're probably going to have to start smacking people away with the oars if you want to, if you don't want that lifeboat to sink. Horrifying. Horrifying. I, I would let you guys onto my lifeboat. Thank you. You would do the same Thank for me? Thank you. Uh, it depends. Oh. If we were at a reasonable capacity and we had room yeah. for one more, absolutely. I don't want to be too crowded. Well, I, I need to stretch my legs out. I'm yeah, I want to be comfortable. Water. Okay. I mean, you but know? it's, I mean, it's a hypothetical, like, right? It's probably not going to happen. You could hang on to the side. <laughs> it probably won't happen. That's the thing. It probably won't happen, right? If there was a shark and he looked hungry nearby, Yes, I would definitely consider it. Yeah. Consider. Yeah. I would at least let you like swim around, like switch sides to avoid it. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> you let me <laughs> hide? <laughs> yeah, like you could move the other side and then come back to the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those wiggling legs have moved to the other side. <laughs> yeah. You're going to want to go around the other side while you're emptying chum into the water. Banging Damn, a lot of chum on this boat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so about 12 minutes after the collision with the rock, the ship sank. Oh. 12 minutes. For scale, the Lusitania, a ship sunk by German U-boat torpedoes, took 20 minutes to go down. Yeah. And they were trying to sink that. Yeah. This is just from being put into reverse. <laughs> Why don't you back it up? And hitting a rock. Okay, back yeah. it up. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> this went down in half the time of an episode of The Office. I was thinking it. this is like half sick. This is Eric Andre uh, show. Yeah, length. it's an Adult Swim episode. Yeah. Or SpongeBob. What's know, so I'm looking at a photo of Hasselwood Rock right now. And first of all, the photo is one of the smallest, lowest quality photos I've ever seen. It was taken from the Norse. It's on Wikipedia. It's one of the only photos I've, I can find of it. And all it is is water with some like white water in just the middle. Just some churn? It's ju- and that's the rock. Oh, like you can't really see the rock even? Nope. It looks like a wave might be breaking on something, but there's nothing to see. It's just a strip oh. of white water in the middle of the ocean. So that's, yeah, really invisible, completely hidden, but also right there at the top. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And she did not go down gently. The Norge. Oh, no. According to one press account, the Norge plunged forward, her stern shot up in the air, and she disappeared. The swimmers in the vicinity of the ship were drawn into the vortex around which they swirled like chips in the maelstrom. Oh. Yeah. So Whoa. I think that's something that a lot of people, including myself, didn't, you know, you don't, you don't really think about the suction of yeah. when the ship goes down, but that kills a ton of people in shipwrecks because- you basically have a, I mean, how much did this thing weigh? Uh, the tonnage was pretty high, if I remember correctly. It was, I remember. 3,300 yeah, gross register tonnage, but she makes her doctor not tell her. <laughs> right. So you have a ship that is 3,300 gross natural tonnage plunging to the bottom of the ocean. So it's basically just like sucking anything around it down with it. Yeah. Including people. And you got half-submerged rocks that you're going to smash into, yeah. you know, possibly. Yeah, it's just Well, yeah, she's, she's going to take people down with her. This is cancer season, June 28th. What, what that means, sure. <laughs> That's my sign. Mm. Mine too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm a cancer. Oh, look at us, Brian. A couple of crabs. Anyway, now we get to talk about the captain. Oh, finally. Who's pretty good captain, it would okay. seem, except for the reversing. But that was also like, you can't see anything, so I don't really, I don't fully blame him. Like, no, there's yeah. nothing to see there. He's not quite Captain H. Lawrence in terms of just right. like pure full on. Uh, to yeah. borrow some like maybe 2011 Reddit parlance, badassery. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It didn't feel good to say, but right. I think it's an apt descriptor. Okay, <laughs> we talk about the past on this show. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the captain. Gundel stayed with the ship, but eventually swam to a lifeboat. One account said he refused to abandon the sinking ship and had resigned himself to going down with his vessel, but he was saved by one of the lifeboats. I think that's the ideal situation for a captain. Yes. Yes. Best of all worlds. You just say, you tell them, anyone who tries to rescue you, you say like, no, 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 I have have to stay. And they're like, no, you gotta come with. And you're like, 
no, no. I can't do it. And they're like, come on. And you're like, hmm, fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me get a little, let me dip my toes in and first. you get to live. Yeah. Well, I mean, he like went down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he didn't Shatino it. That's mm -hmm. for damn sure. But yeah, one press outlet quoted him as saying, quote, I went down with the steamer. My right leg got jammed between two stanchions and was very much injured. When I rose to the surface, I noticed a number of bodies floating. Oof. While swimming in the ocean, he found another crew member and the two swam for about an hour and a half, Oof. according to the captain, before seeing a boat in the distance. They swam towards it and were eventually rescued. That Good is Lord. an Imagine hour and a hour half. hour and a half. You got to want it. Imagine you're on the other ship in open water. You're just in the middle of the Atlantic, and all of a sudden, two people are just swimming towards you. You're on the boat, and you're like, wait a minute, is that a captain's hat in yeah. the distance? Bobbing <laughs> up and down? <laughs> the hell like is going just... Well, I think this is one of the lifeboats. Oh, yeah, it mind. is. Yeah, he saw one of the lifeboats. Still. Yeah, but even still, a ship like did a rescue lifeboats ship. later. Okay, never mind. So we, we do get that moment in, in something of a way. No, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. This no, bit stop. stands. I deem it Okay. Standing. Yeah, you. You, you, stamp, you stamp on it that this is a good bit, just like the DFDS did on the cattle ship. <laughs> it's a keeper. It's a keeper. Put a bunch of people on it. Anyway... They were taken aboard this boat. The captain said, both of us were taken on board, quite exhausted. I mean, that's an understatement. I spent four minutes in the ocean, and then I'm like, whew, I need a nap. Yeah. That's enough for Shashar. Yeah, I remember being in the deep end of the pool, like treading water for 20 seconds, and my mom was like, get out of there. You just ate lunch. Get out. You're, you're going to drown. <laughs> yeah. And, and you said, no. <laughs> <laughs> now we got puke in the community pool. <laughs> Nothing better. Meanwhile, remember the Norish had no radio, which meant it had no way of communicating with the outside world about what had happened. Cut off from all contact, the lifeboats floated adrift at sea. Uh, very similar to last week's episode, a huge chunk of what makes this story so notable is the aftermath for the survivors Yeah, and their efforts to get back to any form of civilization. And you may be wondering, didn't we say there was a big... Island nearby? No. Did we? We yeah. were talking about Rock Hall. Rock right? Hall, which is an island, but it's like a sheer granite cliff face. And it was really close. It's only like 200 meters away. Do you remember that scene from Noah where there's all those people on top of the, that rock, which is like the tippy top of a mountain? They're all screaming and they Not can hear really, it from inside no. the ark. It's, cool. it's a cool I scene. But okay. I bet it is. All right. All right. Well, that's fine. <laughs> According to the New York Times, occupants of one lifeboat, quote, eked out an existence on two biscuits per day. When they started from the ill-fated ship, there was only one small cask of fresh water in the boat. Oof. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of amazing there was any fresh water in the boat. Two biscuits, not too bad. At first, I was like, two biscuits a day, I could do that, but one small cask of water. No, I, I'm not yeah. sure what a cask is, but it can't be enough. It's certainly, it's probably, it's a small barrel, right? Yeah. The Times described their harrowing ordeal, quote, they weathered a gale and continued as best they might, striving to reach the coast of Scotland against the heavy seas. From strips of life belts, they constructed a crude sail. The men had scarcely strength enough to hold the oars. Oh my god. Some survivors spent up to eight days before being rescued. Yeah. The first group to be found were spotted by a fishing trawler. The boat took the group of 26 survivors to safety in Scotland. 
According to the Times, when the survivors were dragged on board the trawler, the fishermen were obliged to forcibly prevent them from eating and drinking too much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And the Times said that many of the survivors have severe wounds sustained in jumping from the deck of the sinking ship. The legs and arms of others are swollen from exposure and from the salt water. Yeah, you're jumping onto a rock, essentially, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Or into chip debris. Yeah. Yeah, I think, it, or just the sheer impact of the water. Yeah. Another group of 32 were rescued by the British steamship Servonax, and another group of 70 that included the captain were saved by a German steamship Energy. Those are Transformers. Yes. Yeah, well, Servonax is a dragon. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. <laughs> the great Servonax. Yeah. I thought he was a right wing tweeter. <laughs> One or the other. Who's really into QAnon. <laughs> they are all par for the course. Another lifeboat with 20 people on board reportedly managed to reach the shores of the Shetland Islands, an archipelago in Scotland. So pretty amazing that that so many distinct groups were able to find their way towards salvation. I like that it's old, an old enough event, too, that they're like, yeah, apparently 20 more people. We don't know. But, uh, you know, supposedly 20 people are in Scotland now. <laughs> yeah, my buddy works on Servonex. And he says. And he said the storm is coming. Yeah. So, according to author Per Christian Sebak, more than 635 people died during the sinking. Around 160 survived. Oof. Yeah. After the wreck, fishermen trawling the area around Rockall drew up corpses in their nets. After that, many of them kept away from the waters for years. Yeah. Let's go find another spot, boys. That is yeah, haunting. That is unpleasant. The disaster made worldwide news, and despite being one of the worst peacetime maritime disasters in recent history, it has largely been forgotten. It was overshadowed by the Titanic, which would sink eight years later. So this is the same thing that happened to, like, the Sultana. Yeah. It just completely gets lost in the fray. A Copenhagen court of inquiry later cleared Captain Gundel and the ship owner of all charges of incompetence. The causes of the sinking have never been fully determined, although experts blame foggy conditions and a faulty compass. My money's on the rock. Yeah, I think the rock is probably what did it. Yep, big rock. That There's your culprit. There's your yep. smoking rock. In 2003, after four years of searching, a team of divers from Scotland's Orkney Islands discovered the wreck of the SS Norge in 65 meters of water off Rockall. How's it looking? How, how, how's it looking? I mean, it can't be good, right? Just like a lot of mossy wood is what I is what I assume. Look at that. There, there, there's nothing quite like seeing a picture of an underwater shipwreck, which I think listeners to this show will can agree upon. <laughs> oh, this isn't even a ship. This is the this is a different ship. Never <laughs> oh, mind. There's no photos. <laughs> I don't I don't see it. Maybe they didn't take picture. Maybe they didn't think to bring a camera. I forgot the camera. <laughs> well, there you have it. Yeah, that's the SS Norge. That was a sad one. Unpleasant. Definitely a sad one. It is weird to think, though, the lack of a radio. So you're just, you're, you're on your own. No, There's nobody who's coming. It's just dumb yeah. luck that's going to save you. It's like a weird in-between period where the ships look, I mean, they don't look anything like ships today, but they, they have a certain modernity to mm. them, right? Like, they, it's not unrecognizable, um, but then you're also dealing with, it's still a very long time ago. Like, they don't have radio on there. Missing uh, a lot of things. Radio barely exists. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is a lot newer than you think. Yeah. I mean, sonar? Radar? 
<laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, absolutely not. So, unfortunately, terrible disaster. However, it's nice that it wasn't due to incompetence. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a terrible tragedy, but unfortunately, it's one where you have to just put up your hands and go just like, the conditions were awful, the timing was terrible, it was just a tragedy, pure and simple. And look up Hasslewood Rock, just to get an idea for yourself. Again, there's like very few pictures of it, and the only ones there are suck but i think that's also kind of speaks to like how difficult it would be to actually see this it's like on a ship it is invisible especially on a foggy day yes really unbelievable anyway time to move on to the final segment of the show can i hear that honorable mention foghorn mm-hmm. oh god feels like there's a mystery afoot when i hear that mm-hmm. Patrick, what do you got for us? This is a good one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. This is sent to us by ZooBaby2003 on Twitter. Uh, and thank you. Hey, if you're out there and you're listening, you're thinking to yourself, hey, I think I got a pretty good idea for an honorable mention. Tweet it at ShipHitsPod or wherever, Instagram. I don't care. Yeah, I want to thank everyone that's been tweeting suggestions at the show page. I've been logging them away, uh, and it's really cool and very helpful. To, mm-hmm. to get these kind of notes from people. And it's especially interesting when it, people have a personal connection to it. So yeah, Ship Hits Pod. Make sure you get at us. Yeah, it's been really cool. Like the Peter Iredale, people were tweeting oh, pictures yeah. of themselves there. So like that that stuff's really awesome. I do intend to go see the Peter Iredale. I will be in Portland mm-hmm. not long after this episode airs. Oh, promo shot. If you're in the area, wait at the wreck. <laughs> <laughs> On the night of the Until fourth moon. Until you see a ghostly visage <laughs> approaching. I'm not that pale. And that is, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, so for the honorable mention today, it's something a little different. It's not a ship. Mm. It's not a boat parade. No. It doesn't even really take place in water. It takes place near water. You're not really selling me on this. No, no, no. Hang on, Brian, because you're going to love this. It's We're talking about Exploding Whale Memorial Park. Oh. Yeah. You have my attention. Now you may be wondering. How did this park get its name? I am it's wondering an exploding that. whale is how. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, sorry. I got logged out of the Google Docs the second you started talking. So this is a park in Florence, Oregon. And in 1970, an eight-ton sperm whale washed ashore oh, no. in the area. And he finished all over Florence, Oregon. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> it's a family show. So... What do you do with a 45-foot dead whale? I guess, I don't know. Do you like tow it somewhere or dismantle it? No, and you don't bury it. Make craft beer out of it, you hippies. Nice, but no. You actually use 1,000 pounds of TNT to explode it. Oh, my God. Hell yeah. yeah. Finally, Oregon being cool. What year was this? Uh, 1970. Oh, yeah. That's that's a different time. Yeah, they had a whale. (laughs) And they just got all the dads from the neighborhood to get together. <laughs> Be like, what do you think we should do? Shoot. I got a thousand pounds of TNT. It's that Oregon draw. Yep. So yeah, this is this is the Oregon State Highway Division, which I I think is just highway patrol. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean they're they're cops. It's like it, this happened in, in, in Los Angeles a year ago. With fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is a, th- a thousand pounds of TNT. 
Holy <laughs> sh! <laughs> okay, and so yeah. boys, I called my cousin in Texas, and he has a great idea. <laughs> He's driving up right now with a thousand pounds of TNT in the bed of his pickup. Don't ask how he got it. Nope. He's got his kids and his dogs in the bed too. Yep. So uh, they kind of, I guess, thought that the whale would just explode into a mist, like disintegrate into just tiny bits and pieces. And then they actually did think, for sure, confirmed that seagulls would take care of the rest of it, that the seabirds were just going to clean friend. up. Yep. Yeah. So that's not what happened. There is a live local news broadcast of the incident, which I cannot recommend highly enough it's one of the best videos i've ever seen oh there's footage of this there is live oh my god news footage with like Woo! a local reporter on the ground i love stunts like this yes oh. you are going to love this brian so the whole town came out right this of is course. a big event yeah and what else happens in florence it looks like a nuclear weapons test when this thing goes off. Because the whole thing is filmed. It is a massive blast. Yes. Blood and sand. Yeah. Just the, as the dunes are so coated hot. with yeah. gristle and blood. So this is what that reporter, his name is Paul Lindman, said of the incident. Quote, the humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival as huge chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere. Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. This feels like a David Letterman sketch. Holy I know. Where people die. God. That From is... hell's heart I stab at thee. <laughs> it really is. For sake I spit my last breath. So I read, I, I watched Melville this video. <laughs> Melville, his cousin, was uh, well, Ahab mentioned said. last That's week. That's right. Yeah. In the video, the camera rolls Right up, and it shows the explosion and then cuts away. And up until that moment, there's a lot of mirth and clapping, like "Yay!" And then when the camera comes back on, it is a completely different environment. People are like scattered. There's a panic in the air. Yes, amazing. So, yeah. The blast was so strong that a piece of whale crushed a car a quarter mile away. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I, and I mean, like, look it up. Yeah, totaled this car. It completely and, caved in the roof. Yeah. No one was hurt. Okay. Luckily, no one was hurt. I mean, maybe some people may have been hurt, but not no one like severely. No one died or anything like that. But a beautiful Buick lost its life that day. <laughs> well, I bet it still drove. It's a Buick. That's Yeah, that's true. This reminds me uh, when I was a reporter in Waco, Texas, which is central part of the state. There was a famous, kind of similar to this in terms of just a very stupid idea that had very predictable consequences. In like the late 1800s, they decided, this wasn't in Waco, but it was in the county, to crash two trains together, two <laughs> locomotives, as a publicity stunt. Google the crash at Crush. That's so cool. They crashed them together. You know, they they charged admission, big public spectacle. What could go wrong? Yep. Well, they it's crashed a- them together. Both engine boilers exploded, yeah. flying debris everywhere. Two people died, numerous yep. injuries. Yep. Wait. <laughs> Just sitting around and going, hey, what would happen? I... Love the impulse, though, of like, <laughs> hey, you know what would be cool? It's like eight-year-olds are in charge. Yes, yeah. yes, it's so awesome. I mean, we take it for granted, right? We could be like, 
hey, what does this thing look like? And we just yeah. look it up. Back in the day, you had to get two trains. You had to buy tickets to go <laughs> how, see it. Yeah. How far away did they have to go to get the speed necessary? Zero government regulations back then. You could do whatever you yeah. wanted. That is absolutely I w- incredible. I mean, if someone was like, hey, they're blowing up a whale or they are crashing two trains together, do you want to... Hell yes. Yeah, I'm there. I'm 100% there. I'm there at 6 there. in the morning. I will pay whatever it costs to get in. I'm driving my yeah. Buick right up to the beach. Yep. It's, 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 this is the news broadcast. You really have to watch it because it is kind of one of the most haunting and horrifying puff pieces ever made because yeah. there's points where the reporter is very much, he's doing like, a lot of alliteration, and he's like, the blubber blast. Oh, well, having fun with it. Oh, my God, is he having fun with it? So that makes the quote about it's like a, the yeah, situation it's, giving way to running for survival that much better. It, it's like, you know, he thinks he's going to do a piece on a, on a dog that can juggle. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, it's just this nightmare of the raining blood and fat from the sky. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I also want to point out, there was an enormous chunk of the whale that didn't go anywhere. Oh, yeah. That, that they had to just get a bulldozer onto the beach and yeah. just take care of it the way they would have yeah. anyway. And on top of that, the blast and the smell scared away the seagulls. Yeah. Who were supposed to be the cleanup Clean crew. After, yeah. So anyway, 50 years later, the city's got a new park, mm-hmm. right? It's dedicating a new park. And the city officials decide, how do you come up with a great name for a park? You pull the public, right? Never. Ever. Never do this shit. They're going to name it after Fred Durst. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to name it after Fred Durst. Whatever that, like. Whaley McWhale face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God, this is so funny. <laughs> it's, it's always bad, except in this case, which I think it actually. This turned out. This is pretty, pretty good. Well, yeah. yeah. So they, yeah, the public, over 50% of voters settled on Exploding Whale Memorial Park, <laughs> which, great yeah. name. Yeah. It's not it's not annoying and too like reddity and cutesy like some of these other ones we've seen. Yeah. It's not straight up offensive, yeah. you know. Uh it's a great name for a park and it's it's accurate. It is and it's a whale it's, exploded there. But it also Memorial Park is great cuz it's not yes, memorializing it's, it's sort of memorializing the event, but it's also, you know, a little modicum of respect for maybe the most disrespected animal in Oregon history. <laughs> Those, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not whales in general. This that whale. whale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can only imagine. Just and one of the one of the other titles in the running was Bridgeview Park. So Boo. yeah, this is the winner Boo. for sure. Yeah. yeah, if you look at pictures, they've got a a cute like Japanese mondo mascot type whale mm-hmm. posing in front of the sign. Yep. It's it's it looks very pretty. It looks gorgeous. And it's about it's about four hours south of where the Iredales remains sit on another beach in Portland or or in Oregon. It's also pretty close if you are in the area. Check out Three Rivers Casino and Resort. <laughs> uh, Three Rivers Casino and Resort. Three Dog Night will be playing there this weekend. Yep. Are you uh, kidding? Unfortunately, I due to the I'm looking at reviews and the coleslaw is horrible, but the food is great. All right, all right. That ship hits the van. Thank you so much for listening and, and tune in again next week. Uh, this is episode seven, right? Uh, yeah, episode yeah, seven. Yeah, so uh, we're going to do eight next week as as it follows. And then we're going to take a, a brief break, uh, which we'll be able to give you further information on when we record episode eight. And then we'll be back at it with uh, more uh-ohs and whoopsies, right? So yeah. follow Ship Hits Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to see photos of the disasters. We have been posting them. And playing catch up. So um, 
yeah, get in there and tweet at us uh, with, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And for the loosest slots in Coos Bay, be sure to check out Three Rivers Casino Resort. Terry Bradshaw says only winners play here. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>